are listening to A Star Night Dwell. Welcome, welcome everyone to the first episode of A Star Night Dwell, a show focusing on the imagination, first and foremost, really on the exploration of the imagination through starlight. So through the medium of astrology, the astrologos, the language of the stars, and using celestial bodies, planets as well as stars, the motions of the planets, um, the lore, and the mythology around stars to go deeper into the imagination in general or the realm where images emerge from. So with that said, the language of astrology becomes a container of sorts. And this is where I want to introduce the image which I am holding at the forefront of my mind and my thought, which I'm asking the listener to hold at the forefront of theirs, which is a house of stars. I think the celestial iteration, the true celestial iteration of the House of Stars is the Milky Way. And in this way, the Milky Way being the galaxy which houses all of the visible stars in the sky is a container for our astrologies, for all of our different cultural iterations of astrology. The Milky Way is the house of stars. The Egyptians conceived of the Milky Way, or this house of stars, as the arching body of the goddess Nut, who, in the same way, was thought to contain existence was thought to contain the creation within her very body and as I mentioned is depicted arching over creation with a body filled with stars. I am also reminded of the jaguar in Mesoamerican lore associated with the god Tezcatlipoca, who is the blackness or the darkness of the night sky. And with the particular Aztec day sign, Kali or house, Kali even also in other languages signifying blackness. But this particular day sign in the 20 sign ritual and religious calendar of the Mesoamerican peoples um, signifying a, a house, a, a containment of sorts, a, but a, a, a dark house. And Tezcatlipoca in his jaguar manifestation is thought to 
to dwell in this container, in a mountain of sorts. But in musing on the jaguar, I'm thinking about the jaguar's pelt, right, being adorned with stars. And in this way, the jaguar's association with night being the time when it hunts, being, when the time, being the time when it is moving about, when it is most active, and in that same way, certain underworld associations that come to be associated with the jaguar. And this same pelt, the jaguar pelt in Mesoamerica, um, and other particular spotted big cat pelts in other parts of the world ends up um, becoming a symbol for royalty. And I think there's multiple ways to look at this, of course. One, the more obvious one, being you know, the power that these animals represent. It's kind of uh, king of the jungle sort of thing. But I also think there's other ways to look at it. For example, I was, I was watching the Coen brothers the new Coen Brothers version of Macbeth with Denzel Washington. And there's a really great scene in the film where he is adorned with uh, a cape or a garment filled with stars. And so you see not just the jaguar big cat pelt, but also literally being adorned with stars. And we see this with military generals. We even see this with, you know, gold stars for students. It's almost a cliche at this point. But there's an association with rulership, with leadership, with excellence, and the stars which goes beyond the level of being associated with things that are quote-unquote above. You know, as God is in many cultures thought to exist from above the sky God, and so to be adorned in stars is to be aligned with that which is above. But I think to wear the skin of night, as we're talking about, even to, to be represented as this arching body of Nut, is to, as a leader, be able to contain the, the, all of the, the different peoples, all of the different stars, all of the different personalities. To be able to wear the stars is, in some sense, to be able to contain them. So in this same way, part of my purpose here is to, as I said, wear the skin of night. Part of my purpose is to don a garment of stars. But not necessarily for the point of rulership or leadership in, in these ways I've been discussing. Because as we see with Macbeth, and many other stories of rulership, leadership. Um, one is not always able to 
wear the garment of stars and, and contain the stars. Because just as we look up in the sky and see so many, for any one being, let's say, for any one king, queen, royal family, even nation to wear this same skin of night and contain all of the different stories and peoples and also non-human beings, which the stars represent, is um, quite the task of leadership and may easily lead one to uh, megalomaniacal tendencies, right? So I think in, in approaching these things, they're best looked at the kind of communal effort so that it isn't uh, a single person attempting to don the cloak of stars, but rather a community, a group of people. So though this is a solo show, though this is me outlining or attempting to outline my ideas about what this show is in potential or what it could be, what I imagine it being in its fullest extent, its fullest potential, is more of a community effort, more of a group effort. Therein, my intention to have people of a variety of different backgrounds, different stars, stars from uh, different parts of the sky, stars with different stories, right? And in this way to don the cloak of stars is not to attempt to contain them all for oneself or to have the hubris to think that one could lead the multiplicity, the plurality of stars for oneself, but rather to hold space for the stars, which is what the darkness of the night sky does, which is what the body of Nut does, which is what the moon does as a, as a planet and unlike the sun who is our star in our solar system, but also crowds out all of the many others in the sky, right? So to don the garment of stars is to be like the moon, the queen of the stars, the gateway to the stars, to shine, but in a reflective way, to shine as the moon shines, to shine in a way that it does not blot out all of the many beautiful others. And this is a kind of holding space. This is a kind of light guidance. And in my mind, a kind of play of the imaginal in the same way that I have thought of the moon as, in celestial terms, very much a locus of the imaginal, the locus of the image in being able to shine as well as allowing the many others to also shine. But at the same time, I think it's important to recognize 
in all of this talk about containment in this house we're thinking of this structure but that the same thing which I call containment is also a kind of movement as well and the Milky Way is oftentimes pictured as a road as a river as a path a path of souls one of the presentations that I'm going to link to this one is uh, a class that I taught about a year ago at the Astromagia conference called Sable Crossings, Underworld Markings of the Milky Way, wherein I discuss the points where the ecliptic or the path of the sun crosses over with the Milky Way and all of the different sky lore that has come with these points as cross-culturally as I could find. But these are thought of as crossroads, right? And the road symbolism is important. It's just as important as the symbol of, of containing the stars. Because even from our own observation of the sky, the stars are moving. The planets are, as, as the wandering stars, are thought to be the ones which move the most, of course, but the stars are moving across the sky just as the just as our planet is moving in the cosmos and everything is moving. So just as much as the symbol of the house or the cave is important here for a sense of containment and structure, the road is just as important. And this is the dwelling. This is the star night dwell the dwelling being a, a dwelling place, like a home, right? But also dwelling is a sense of moving on something, moving around something, moving within something. To dwell on something is to move through it in some sense. So my affinity for this word and its dual meaning is laid bare. So in this dwelling, in this home of ours, but also in this dwelling, in moving about this home, we are exploring stars. So we are exploring variations of light on a background of darkness. And this brings us to places beyond astrology this is this is the form of forms this is how we describe form and of course in the same way it's no surprise that stars are associated with certain images with mythologies with folklore with stories and my intention here is to not only outline this which Astrology already does, of course. So much of our astrological interpretations come from not just the body of technical knowledge, but also from the mythology, folklore, stories, etc., etc., 
that are associated with the particular asterisms with the planets. But I want to take it a step further. And once again, my intention is to go beyond just the astrological language, specifically the technical language, which I guess if you're listening to this, you might be at least a little bit familiar with. But to move more into the space of what I'm calling the imagination or the world of image, which of course goes beyond celestial images or looking up in the sky and uh, describing what we see, but rather my intention is to use the stars, use this language as a means of describing the imagination in general. And in the same way, the association between the night sky and what is called the underworld, or I'm preferring more and more all the time, the other world, because under, over, above, below, these things can become confused when it comes to directionality or even internal, external. But the night sky and its relationship to what I'm going to call the other world, but which is oftentimes also called the underworld. And of course, the above world, which is how in our culture, at least, we tend to view the sky in general as above us. But regardless of the terminology, these associations are there fairly cross-culturally. And with that, I'm also going to add the world of dream, the dream world to this. So because this association already exists, not only do I think we can use it for its um, qualities that we can find cross-culturally, but the relationship between this language of astrology and the other world and the world of dreams and for our purposes the world of the imagination um, this linguistic connection is already established so just as freud described dreams as the royal road to the unconscious right <laughs> in this way the milky way or the night sky, the stars, can be considered, in my mind, the royal road to the imagination. And just as our imagination, or our dreams, or our unconscious is populated by a multiplicity, a seemingly endless plurality of images, so is the night sky. So we see how these images move through our consciousness in all sorts of ways and or I should say at many different levels and likening our body to the body of the cosmos we see how these images move through our head and through our heart and through our feet and we also see this in the same bodies of constellations where certain stars are associated with certain body parts. There are hand stars, there are head stars, there are heart stars. There are stars that are more abstract, 
in their shape and in their nature. But we see imaginal body on imaginal body and these pluralities of images moving through our consciousness at, once again, a, a variety of levels. But the language that we use to describe them, whether it be a painting, whether it be music, or in this instance, a celestial or uh, astrological language, um, will, will color the nature of the image and to some extent just be whatever the preference is of the person who is getting in touch with the imagination, with creativity, with their inner poesis, with their inner poetry. So I have found that my preference is really using the sky, the night sky in particular, as a map for this other world, as a map for this underworld. So the night sky reflects the other world in this lunar reflective manner. The night sky is a map of this other slash underworld. So on this show, we are moving our way across this map together, I would hope, and exploring the other world using the tools that we have, using the tools that, um, if you're listening to this, or if you are me, the tools that are our personal preference. And there's something in me which finds the podcasting format, which finds the radio format to be so satisfactory for this purpose. I, I it, it comes from my own experience, I think, but I, I think that others also experience this or have experienced this, but I have fond memories of late night drives up and down the West Coast listening to Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. And this, this show, if you don't remember, was very much... Uh, conspiratorial or, or based in um, alternative theories and conspiracy theories of, of all sorts, whether it be political, whether it be extraterrestrial, um, whether it be health-related or supernatural and paranormal, but something for me about driving late under the stars at night, listening to these other voices listening to these other stars speak on these different subjects and hearing for me at a younger age people who believed things outside of the norm who who were discussing things outside of a, a more conventional attitude was extremely formative for me and also um, left me with a sense of hope that I would you know, continue to meet others who just thought differently, perhaps, that I would continue to meet others who believed in things beyond these same uh, conventional, beyond these same conventional conventions, right? So as an homage to my own experience and hopefully to the experience of others, I, I see this show as my own and our own drive through the underworld slash otherworld. 
And in that same way, I'm releasing this first episode on the harrowing, which on the Catholic calendar or in the traditional Christian calendar um, corresponds to the time the day after Good Friday where Jesus Christ is crucified and then moves into the underworld to redeem the dead. So this show will be released on Christ's harrowing, Christ's movement into the underworld, and the show being reflective of our journey into the interior, our journey into that dark cavernous space but not necessarily hell as it has been thought of in a you know very traditional or I should say fundamentalist Christian mindset, but more of what I'm calling the other world, the underworld, the world of dreams and the imagination. Um, but it is a dark place. And in the dark places, we need others. We need the guides that are the stars. We need their light as if we were out at sea and we were using stars to navigate ourselves back to the land. The world of the imagination is not a safe place. This is the primal creatrix of all things, right? Of, of existence itself. And, and so this is not this is not a safe place. This is not necessarily a place to take refuge, but it is a place of exploration. And we do need, we do need our friends. We do need the others. We need the lights to guide us in these realms. And so that I hope, I hope that this podcast can be one contribution, one guiding light among many for movement in this other world for movement in the imagination and in this instance using the stars and their light um, once more as the sea captains of old have done as our guides across this oceanic imaginal this oceanic imagination with that i want to thank you for listening I'm excited for this journey ahead, for things to come. I'm going to post some of the references in the show notes to um, the previous recording that I had mentioned, as well as to some of the concepts that I referenced. And this recording will be up on YouTube first, and soon after also up on your whatever your podcatcher may be, along with upcoming shows. So I look forward to things to come, and thank you for listening to A Star Night Dwell.